2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm in here every week with some wonderful women uh, from the Philadelphia area and across the world as well who are doing some wonderful things out there. And I'm thrilled this morning to be joined by Dawn Engel. Uh, Dawn is calling us from Denver, Colorado. And Dawn is the executive director and co founder of Peace Jam. Peace Jam is a nonprofit global organization that brings together Nobel Peace laureates to mentor the youth to change the world. That's just a snippet. Good morning, Dawn. Good morning. It's great to be here with you. I'm so happy that we finally uh, got to do this, and and I have all kinds of questions for you.
0: Um,
2: (laughs) I I really want to make sure the listeners get a a full sense of what Peace Jam is all about. Um, But as I always do, I really want to find out a little bit about you first and your growing up years in Michigan.
3: Yes, yes. I was born in Detroit, Michigan.
2: And tell me about that. Tell me about your family and and what your growing up years were like. Well, it was really a
3: blue collar working class family. Um, my father uh, was the very first in the family to go, and either my any of our family to go to college. We went on a basketball scholarship and then um, <clears throat> ended up uh, finishing on the GI Bill and started working for Ford Motor Company. Um, So really, uh, uh, we were farmers, farmer families from both sides, and then with the whole industrial move to Detroit um, ended up being factory worker. Folks, um, and we had six kids in the family, so everybody worked. We I had my first job uh, babysitting when I was twelve, and w- waiting tables when I was fifteen, and that was to save money to go to college. It was mm-hmm. it was that kind of a family, tons of love, really fun. Um, I love being part of a big family, but we always knew that um, we would have to pay for our own college, and, and when you know we had to stand our own on our own two feet and and work hard. That blue collar work ethic is one of the greatest gifts that my family ever gave to
2: me. Yeah, that's one. Where did you fall uh, within the six children? I was number two. Number two. Okay. You know, when I think about, uh, Dawn, the things that you're doing today, um, which is such a kind of a grand aspiration, um, I wonder if that was something you had as a young girl.
3: You know, I never would have guessed that I'd have this life. The life I have right now is extraordinary, and I've done amazing things, in my life that I never would have um, ever thought I could do. But at the same time, my parents always really believed in me, and they really believed that uh, I could do anything that I put my mind to if I worked really hard at it, because I was smart, I was talented, and... And I could do it. So the, that confidence that they gave me um, was huge. But when I started out, I didn't apply to a fancy college. I applied to the most affordable college I could find, Western Michigan University. But I did well there, and I um, was picked to represent the state of Michigan during the bicentennial semester uh, back in 1976. So, so I'm telling you how old I am now. I'm a 57.
2: <laughs> you have a very um, young voice. <laughs>
3: oh, thank you. <laughs> and um, I went to Washington, D.C., and as part of that semester in Washington, D.C., I met the senator from my state, and um, I was offered a position as an intern, and and, and I came into that office um and worked just really hard. I actually, once after I had my interview, I would call like every week to see how things were going and whether I would get the job, and then I started calling every other day. And when I finally got the internship, I asked them, um why they picked me, and they said, well, we could tell you really wanted it. You know, you were just really tenacious. You kept following up. And, and then we, there were three of us who were paid interns, and after three months, um, one of us was offered a permanent position, and it was me because I just was so hardworking. And, I, again, that blue-collar work ethic, you know, no, no job was beneath me, and, you know, I was just thrilled to be there. And um, it was an amazing time to be a woman, in Washington, D.C., working on the Republican side of the aisle. When I started, I was 19, and it was very much like that television show, Mad Men, where you walk in the office and all the women are secretaries, Mm
4: -hmm. and
3: all of the policy positions are held by the men. It was very much what it was like. It was, you know... that was before you had uh, computers. Actually, everything had to be typed perfectly, so they used to have typing pools. I don't know if people remember that, but imagine with the legislation, every word had to be perfect. You couldn't correct it. If you made a mistake, you would had to start over. Um, then they invented whiteout. That was a big deal. I remember whiteout being a big deal. Um,
2: I remember that as well. <laughs> <laughs>
3: right. So it's incredible that uh, the changes that I've seen in my lifetime for women, so sometimes you can look around and feel discouraged because we're still not there yet to true equality and pay in other ways, mm-hmm. but I think we've made incredible progress just since um, I started working when I was 19. And I was, it was a big deal when I started working there because I was on the policy side. So I was 19, but I was on the policy side. I was a research assistant. I wasn't on the secretarial side. And um, I just kept getting promoted. So it was, uh, I had a very successful career in Washington. I ended up, by the time I was um, 27, I was the youngest woman uh, ever appointed to serve as chief of staff for a U.S. senator, which is the um, top position in a Senate office. And so I'm very grateful to all the women who came before me because they showed um, the way. And then I was part of the generation that really, I think it was I was part of the first generation that benefited from those barriers that had been broken during the 60s. And um, yeah, so it was an, an incredible time. I learned a great deal. Uh, but I think I also was trying to do the bionic woman thing where you have the children and the family and the work and you do everything,
1: mm-hmm. um,
3: and and I think that's hard to do. Um, I ended up when I my, my children were ages three and four, um, moving to Colorado and trying to to start a life where I had more balance because I was when I was in Washington D.C. I was working eighty hours a week and I had to live in nanny and I never saw my kids. I would take my kids to work with me on Saturday because uh, you had to show you were serious by working as many hours as as the men right mm-hmm. um, um and so that's what i did and it, it was i did it um it's like you know backwards and in high heels i mean I, I i did everything really well but i felt like i was missing the most beautiful part of my life at that moment which was my children
2: yeah how so, old were your children dawn when you moved to uh, denver when moved to Denver, um, they were ages 4 and 5, mm-hmm.
3: and um, Colorado is a great place for kids to grow up. Mm-hmm. I, I have two boys, and in Colorado, I think people that choose to come, come to Colorado because of, they want to have the lifestyle of being involved in the great outdoors and, and a little bit more balance. And, and here it was much easier to have Uh, A career and to be a mom at the same time and then to do both well and not to be expected to be at the office 80 hours a week. Um, That's not expected in Colorado where it was expected on Capitol Hill.
2: Right. So it
3: was it was a good move. And um, once I got here, I met uh, my first marriage ended, but I Met a wonderful man who had a big idea to create something called peace jam mm-hmm. and um, I ended up using all the skills that I gained in washington d c to help create this new entity um, the Peace jam foundation and my children ended up very involved in creating it and growing it with me so it's been really fun it, it they um know how to do, uh, we just did a big PCM Youth Conference in Monte Carlo with Archbishop Desmond Tutu, and um, my two sons ran the whole thing. So, um, you know, they grew up, us doing the work together, as opposed to if I had stayed in Washington, D.C., and, and I would have always been apart from them. So I'm really glad that I made that change. But it's it's tricky for women um, to try and have it all, right? I I, I always tell my friends that you, you can have it all, but you can't have it all, all at the same time. That's right. <laughs> you have to think That's about right. it in, in phases.
2: That's right. And or over a lifetime.
3: Over a lifetime. Over a lifetime, I have absolutely
2: had it all. Mm-hmm. And you're still going.
3: Uh, and
2: I'm going, yes. <laughs> I think it's important to tell this story, Dawn, of how um, you and Yvonne met. Yvonne is your husband, Yvonne Suvane, Suvane GF. Um And the story of how Yvonne had the idea for Peace Jam and how the two of you came together, I think, is a really incredible story and, and seemed to me to be fate. Can you tell the listeners how that happened? Of course.
3: It was a time in Denver very similar to what's going on in Chicago right now. I don't know if you saw over the 4th of July weekend. There were so many people were killed in mm. Chicago from just from random senseless gang violence. Um, it's 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 tragic what's happening in Chicago right now. We had a time like that in Denver. It was called the summer of violence here in Denver. And it was 13-year-olds killing 14-year-olds with drive-by shootings. It was just just Horrible, and um, Ivan Sivanchev, who uh, was uh, just a friend of mine then. He was an artist and a, a musician, and and therefore he says he was a very good busboy. He did a lot of <laughs> restaurant work. Um, <laughs> he's he's also a factory worker kid from Detroit, right? And uh-huh. he's And he's actually the same age as me, and we graduated from graduated from high school the same year, and we actually grew up just a couple miles from each other, but we didn't meet in. Detroit. Uh, we, He went off to do this rock and roll journalist, wild man artist uh, lifestyle, and I worked for the Republicans in Washington, D.C. Right. <laughs> I know.
2: That's the, that's <laughs> such a great piece of the story, I think. <laughs> we took really different paths out of Detroit.
3: Right. Um, <laughs> but we ended up meeting in at a university here called Naropa University, and they were planning um, a tribute to Allen Ginsberg and the other beat poets. It was called Beats and Other Rebel Angels, and they needed some extra help. It was six months before this big event that they were having, a big summer symposium. and um, Yvonne was brought in to uh, work on press, and I was brought in to work on uh, bringing in sponsors and creating a program for at-risk youth as part of the a summer program and um, we both started the same week so he was acting all tough right because he's from Detroit and <laughs> so, you know I finally said you know what I'm from Detroit too so stop it stop right? bossing um, me I'm- around <laughs> <laughs> you know, keep me around. I'm just as tough as you are, right? Right, so right. Then we became friends. And one day, it was right after Kurt Cobain killed himself. There was a lot of kids who were feeling just very depressed. There was all this gang violence going on. And he lived in the very poor part of Denver, where the artists always live in the areas that are, you know, where you can afford a 4,000-square-foot loft um, because the asbestos is hanging out of the ceiling <laughs> um, and there's no heat. So that's where he lived, mm-hmm. and uh, he recognized recognized that a couple of kids he kept seeing them during the day when he would go back and forth for his restaurant shift um, where he worked and he came up and talked to them one day because he saw that one of them was actually carrying a gun he had a gun um, shoved down in the back of his pants and he's like this is bad mm. so he got into a conversation with these young people, who he knew. They'd seen them around the neighborhood for for years, and he'd been watching them grow up, and he, he realized they they must have dropped out of school. They must be in a gang. And with all this gang violence, he was concerned. So he, he just got into a conversation with them, and, um, you know, why aren't you in school? Well, because we have our own business. Well, to have a business, you have to be smart, and, and I haven't seen you go to school. And they said, well, we have to protect our turf. And they just really didn't care. And he asked them who the president of the United States was. And they said, I don't know, and I don't care because he doesn't represent us. And, I mean, they were just really – they'd really checked out.
2: um, Mm. Out of touch.
3: Out of touch and and really had had bought into the whole gang lifestyle. But when Yvonne kept talking to them and they stumbled over the topic of South Africa – they knew about South Africa. They knew about the miracle of South Africa. They knew about Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu and the fact that power changed hands um, peacefully. And they, 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 they looked up to um, these two men of peace, right? And they went off um, talking about how cool they were. And so then Yvonne got this big idea, wow, if, if these kids were so disconnected – are inspired by these Nobel laureates. Imagine what we could do if we could get Nobel Peace Prize laureates working with kids, working with kids, taking that energy that they have and channeling it into good, showing them that they can be empowered to be positive agents of change. They can do something extraordinary with their life. So many of these Nobel laureates came from very poor beginnings and violent surroundings, right? But they, they made something amazing out of it. These kids could do it too. And so came to work the next day, and he just would not shut up. He kept talking and talking and talking about this big idea of his to put Nobel Peace Laureates together with kids, and on and on and on. And finally, he wore me down, and I said, okay, I will help you. I will help you with this idea. The reason he kept talking to me is that he he knew that um, I had worked with the Dalai Lama when I worked for Congress. Um, Somebody had come and talked to me when I was Uh, working for Congress, and had talked to me about human rights violations in Tibet. And um, I didn't know anything about Tibet, but it really felt wrong. So at a a very early stage in in the Tibetan movement, I had volunteered um, for something brand new that was created called the International Campaign for Tibet. You know, there were maybe 50 people who were involved, and it was very small. It was before the Dalai Lama won the Nobel Peace Prize. So I did know some people around The Dalai Lama. And when I had moved to Colorado, I had helped to create Colorado Friends of Tibet. So I did have that capacity um, to request a meeting with the Dalai Lama. So he's bugging me and bugging me. My husband would not shut up. Seriously, he's he's a (laughs) passionate Bulgarian artist. When he gets on a roll, you know, he just he knows it's a thing to do and he just his gut tells him and he won't. Stop. Right. So, right, and his passion just moves rooms, it lifts people up and it makes them do it. And it, and I was the first one. Um and I finally said yes and I got a meeting with the Dalai Lama he said call the Dalai Lama on the phone and it's like the, the Dalai Lama is the god king of the Tibetan people he doesn't talk on the phone so we have to, <laughs> have to request an audience right um, and we got an audience and and he goes great when's the Dalai Lama coming to Denver and I said no no no, no. we have to go to India right you know <laughs> we have to go up the mountain to the audience and he said great I have a dollar sixty-seven in my checking account which was true at the time and so he went around to his friends and and ask them for money you know hey can you lend me some money i gotta buy an airplane ticket because i have a meeting with the dalai lama <laughs>
2: <laughs> and no one probably believed him no one believed him everybody laughed um right. but
3: uh, i do i was able to bar- borrow money from one of my friends <laughs> and <laughs> to pay for our tickets and we uh f- we flew there and the dalai lama loved the idea he he loved the idea of working directly with youth he didn't want to set up his own program, you know, for, for the youth of the world. I mean, he has his own cause that Mm -hmm. he has to do, but he always loves working with youth and he feels like he, he wants to be working with them and and in a deeper way. And he gave us a list of uh, Nobel laureates who had recently gone with him to, um, the Thai-Burma border um, on behalf of Aung San Suu Kyi to draw the world's attention to um, that great Nobel laureate who was under house arrest um, in Burma at the time. And so he, he said, uh, don't just do Peace Jam with me, you know, reach out to some of these other Nobel laureates, too. Mm-hmm. So that's how we started. We came back to Denver. We had... Um, A big idea. We were two nobodies with a big idea. Mm -hmm. We were in Yvonne's artist loft with asbestos hanging out of the ceiling and no um, heat. And all of the furniture is the stuff he'd gotten out of the dumpster and and repainted, right? You know, we're sitting there with our coats on. But we had a phone and a big idea, and the Dalai Lama said yes. And then so we cold-called the rest of the Nobel laureates. Honest to God, you know, hi, Desmond Tutu, you don't know me. This is Dawn from Denver. Uh,
2: how I do you get that idea. phone number?
3: <laughs> yeah, back then there was an Internet, right? So, right. Um, you know, you you go through the yellow pages um, and you, you call the operator. And <laughs> you
2: know. Oh, my goodness. I love that. But to have the, you know, endorsement of of the Dalai Lama was a good place to start.
3: It was a good place to start. It got us in the door. And then, uh, again, we had to borrow more money and travel around the world and stay in really kind of scary places because we we had hardly any money. And we would wait and wait for our appointment, sitting on the front steps, waiting and waiting. But when we got in the room, um, we were so on fire with the idea, right? We were so excited about the idea that we got eight Nobel Peace laureates to say, yes, I will be a part of this. This is before we had any money, before we had uh, a structure, mm-hmm. before we had anything written before we had a program. <laughs> I mean, we did everything the wrong way, right? We did it the opposite of the way they tell you you're supposed to do it, right. but um, it was the the power of an idea. Ideas are powerful, and it was also the passion that we had, and um, we ended up uh, with eight Nobel Peace Laureates making up the board of the Peace Champ Foundation. They are, they are our board, and now today we have 13 Nobel Laureates who make up our board, and, and my husband and I are not even on the board because we really want this organization to be of, by, and for the Nobel laureates. And I asked asked them, you know, 10 years later, we had our 10th anniversary celebration here in Denver, and we had the largest gathering of Nobel Peace laureates that's ever been held outside of Oslo, Norway, still to this day, the largest gathering of Nobel Peace Prize winners ever outside of Norway. And it was here in Denver for our foundation. And I asked them, why did you say yes to us? You know, really, really? You know, we were just a couple of factory worker kids from Detroit. You know, wh- why did you say yes? And they said, because you were so on fire. We just thought it was a great idea. It was an impossible idea. But if anybody could do it, it would be these two crazy people from the United States.
2: And- <laughs> Dawn, you know, I'm going to have to ask you to hold it right there for a minute. We have to take a quick break for our sponsors, and we'll pick up the story when we come back. It's really tough
1: for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice. Some brokers only push the latest hot stocks. And some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the mutual fund store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face-to-face. Not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away. And your mutual fund store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the mutual fund store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFunStore.com or call the Mutual fund Store now in East Norrington and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's 877-239-8330.
2: Hello? Hi, Kelly, it's Sue. Are you and Joe going to the kids' game after school today? No, we are
5: stuck in traffic again on our way to the hospital for Joe's IVIG infusion. As usual, we will be at the hospital all day and won't be home in time. This is really becoming a problem with our work and family commitments.
2: Hey, my friend's son receives his infusions at home with Walgreens. You know, they are not just a retail pharmacy. Walgreens has a national home infusion program. He used to miss school, but now the Walgreens nurses see him at home after school. Wow, infusions in the comfort of our own home? Yes, Walgreens expert infusion nurses and pharmacists are available 24-7 to provide safe, one-on-one clinical support around your schedule. Talk to your doctor and call Walgreens Infusion Services at 877-974-4844 or go to womentowatch.net for complete details. We
5: will, if we ever get out of this traffic, hardy-har-har. We can't wait to have these infusions at home with Walgreens.
6: Thanks. Be well. Have you ever wondered about the magic of Paris? Traveled there before? You haven't experienced Paris until you've traveled with us. I'm Chloe Johnson, the owner of CJ Tours. I became hooked on the mystique of all things Parisian after just one visit to the city of life. CJ Tours, a travel, fashion, and product company, provides an experience unlike any other when it comes to exploring the hidden gems of Paris. We connect you with boutiques off the beaten path. We provide the opportunity to go behind the scenes with some of the most celebrated designers Paris has to offer. You can even purchase one-of-a-kind French pieces as mementos of your trip, Or ask us to source that special piece just for you. CJ Tours and our unique products are designed to provide that Parisian je ne sais quoi and allow you to experience Paris like never before. To learn more, contact me at Chloe Johnston at cjshoppingtours.com or simply visit chloejohnston.com for more information.
7: Are you looking for assistance with your IT demands? Would you like to know that the people you hire have your best interest at heart? InSource is one of the region's most distinguished and fastest-growing technology firms in the Philadelphia area. Their only concern is to deliver your business long-term success to avoid reacting to daily crisis. Recognized as a top employer of IT consultants, they thrive on helping their clients exceed expectations. InSource delivers reliable and effective solutions to the technology needs of both small and large businesses as well as nonprofits, and does so with the goals of your business in mind. With over a decade of recognized success, InSource provides its clients with both IT staffing needs as well as putting highly qualified project teams together. InSource is also a partner of ServiceNow, the fastest growing software company in the country. Contact InSource today at 610-592-0800 or visit their website at insourcenow.com to find the quality help you need.
4: When you are shopping, do you chuckle at the one-size-fits-all tags? Well, Wealth Management should not take a one-size-fits-all approach either. Companies offer different products and services for women, and they should. All women are different. Your plan should be as unique and personal as you are. So why are you still following your one-size-fits-all financial advisor? Financial advisor Liz Barker of RBC Wealth Management understands this. Her area of expertise is women in transition and being retirement ready. Call Liz Barker, financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management at 484-530-2806. Again, that number is 484-530-2806. Or visit her online at www.lizbarker.com to schedule your complimentary custom wealth management plan today. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C. Welcome back,
2: everyone, to Women to Watch. I am joined today by Dawn Angle, And Dawn is the executive director and co-founder of Peace Jam, which is a, a global organization that brings together Nobel Peace Laureates to mentor youth around the world, um, And Dawn was uh, telling us the story behind the organization and how it came to be, which really is, I think, a a wonderful story in itself. Um, And Dawn, you were talking about, you know, the organization today and how it is set up, um, the fact that there are 13 now Nobel Peace laureates who are a part of the organization. Um, One of the things I wanted to ask in that trip, traveling to India that first time uh, to meet with the Dalai Lama, must have been extraordinary, and I'm wondering how. Number one, I, I guess I'm really curious to know how in those early years you were able to financially support your endeavors, um, with all of the traveling, traveling in the meet and meetings that you had, and and what was it that you took away from that first meeting that really propelled you to continue on. Well, I think
3: when you, anybody has a big idea and you're trying to get started, you have to have. Um, people you know who believe in you, who, who take a risk um, and and let you um, go for it. Um, we had a friend named Barry Hershey, and he, he gave us, loaned us money so that we could try, right, to right. get all of these Nobel laureates together and get this thing launched. Mm-hmm. Then we were uh, through another friend. Um, named Arthur Zients, um who had just started as a program officer at a foundation in Michigan, the Fetzer Institute, we were able to get um, our first funding. Our first check that we got was forty thousand dollars. We thought we were Rockefellers. You know, we thought, oh boy, that's so much money. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what it takes to run a nonprofit. Right. It goes <laughs> fast. It goes so fast. <clears throat> right. And it really. Um, I, I, what we have found is that people. Um, will invest and donate um, uh, because they believe in the idea and because they believe in the, in the people. Um, so y- you are so important in your passion and your enthusiasm, um, your, your the way that you manage things, um, your follow-through, tenacity is the most important thing mm-hmm. for getting started. And that's what we found with even getting the meetings with all of the Nobel laureates and following up and making everything happen. You have to be incredibly tenacious. With the Dalai Lama, um, yeah, it was a mind-blowing trip. The feeling that we came away with, um, you know, the thing about the Dalai Lama is that he looks at you and he looks right past your outside package you know it doesn't matter what package you come in in terms of your, like your male female your skin color anything like that he looks right into your eyes and he looks right down into your soul mm. and um, he looks at you know your essential nature right mm-hmm. Um and for me, uh, I, I felt like I was a little girl. I felt like I was like seven years old. I think that is my essential nature. I, it's, it's I'm a y- young spirit, and I he, he saw that, and and he sees uh, you know all of your um, goodness and um, and all of your potential. Yeah. And and we've really tried to carry that through in the work that we do with young people is to really look down into their. Soul and the true essence and say, you have goodness in you, you have greatness in you. And the Peace Chan Program is all about us helping you to bring that out, to empower yeah. you, to see yourself differently. Young people tend to feel... Like victims or things are help- they're helpless things are hopeless you know you're you're a teenager uh you know the world's hard um how can I do anything that matters and to change their point of view because all of these Nobel laureates we work with were once teenagers, they were once. Children growing up, most of them um, in situations of great poverty and with a lot of challenge. And so telling the stories of the Nobel laureates um, and different things that, that about each Nobel laureate, they're really special. They're all very different, mm-hmm. but sharing those special qualities with youth and saying, you know what? You have that, too, or you could develop that in yourself, too, and holding them up as role models has been extraordinarily powerful for us um, as we created Peace Jam. Uh, these, there are role models. There are mentors, right, and it's been incredibly powerful for all of the teachers and the other uh, volunteers, uh, the youth, everybody, uh, the staff. We've all been transformed by this exchange with the Nobel laureates, and the Nobel laureates are, are transformed by it, too, because they love working with the youth, and it gives them great great hope. When we first started, uh, again, we were just a couple of ordinary people with a big idea. Now it is 19 years later, and we have uh, over 1 million young people have gone through the PCM program from 39 different countries around the world. It's now kindergarten through college. Um, They've created over 2 million community service projects to address key issues facing their own school, their neighborhood, their corner of the world. Um, We've won all sorts of awards um, for excellence in service learning and as a peace education program. And we have been nominated eight times for the Nobel Peace Prize by Nobel Peace Prize winners. Mm -hmm. So we've done really well and, um, and we're only getting started. And I think that's what you were talking about at the beginning of the show is that we are in a... Fabulous uh, phase of expansion. Um, We're calling it PeaceGem (laughs) 2.0, but we've um, gotten very lucky, and uh, we have uh, Google and Wells Fargo Bank and several other big partners who've come on because they've just heard about us and and they and they love the idea. It's kind of an overnight success, twenty years in the making. That's
2: right. That's a wonderful way to describe it. I, I think about the fact that it you know you the organization formed in 1996. And here you are all these years later and, and, you know, kind of just coming to the forefront and there's been so much work done already. Um, I, I think. And,
3: and, and you asked about financing. I mean, there were four of those years we didn't get paid, right? So, you yes, know, the, the right. commitment to, to, to really believe and to really hang in there so that you're to the place where you can be discovered and you can go to the next level.
2: That's right. I think, you know, Dawn, something that's so wonderful that you're what you have done from the beginning is to be strategic with the idea. In other words, um, you can't just have a big dream and, a, you know, a big wonderful idea and not follow up with some steps. And um, what I've read about the organization is that there's really three key parts, and that is to educate, to inspire, and to take actions. And, and the, the Nobel Peace laureates um, all kind of contribute within those three areas. Is that correct?
3: Yes, that's correct. Um, We have an incredible curriculum that the Nobel laureates themselves worked with us to develop. Each of them worked on their own curriculum, either the one for each of the Nobel laureates. Mm -hmm. There is... um, inspiration um, in two ways. One is the Nobel laureates come and work side-by-side with the youth for a whole weekend, and the young people um, study the life of the Nobel laureate, um, and then they actually get to spend a weekend working side-by-side with this Nobel laureate. It's absolutely transformational, Mm. incredibly powerful. We also have a Nobel legacy film series, our newest film, Children of the Light, um, it tells the life story of desmond tutu for the very first time it is very powerful i really encourage everyone to check out that film, um, Children of the Light. It's it's available exclusively on Google Play right now, and it'll be um, everywhere, iTunes, everywhere around the world uh, this September 21st for the International Day of Peace. But that movie is about how he was able to create change in South Africa, and then it it highlights uh, five young people who were inspired by him and who are now creating change in their corner of the world. So the films are a big part of capturing this essence spirit cutting edge work of the Nobel laureates and and inspiring young people around the world through the films and also by working personally side by side with the Nobel laureates and then the third part is the action part and that's our billion acts of peace campaign mm-hmm. and we're halfway through it's a 10-year campaign I think I told you earlier we had that incredible gathering of Nobel laureates for our 10th anniversary the largest um, gathering outside of Oslo Norway and I was really happy with just like a birthday cake and saying happy birthday peace gem but the Nobel <laughs> laureates, they think big. You know, you get them (laughs) together and (laughs) <laughs> They're like, no, Don. we have to do something for the world. So um, we, they created a one billion acts of peace campaign. And they, we actually spent two years in deep dialogue with the Nobel laureates on our board and um, talking about if we want to change the future for all of humanity for the better, what would we do? What were the 10 key areas where we would need to work and address the root causes of the problems in order to really change the trajectory for, for humanity? Um, and so they came up with these 10 key areas and we launched a campaign and the big event in Los Angeles in 2008 with 8 of our Nobel laureates there and we have 2 million projects so far um, but you know, obviously, again, these are Nobel Peace Prize winners, so they think really big. So right. So they said they wanted, they didn't want just two million projects. They said they want one billion projects. Which we was like, okay. So, <laughs> but
2: what is, isn't there there one billion by? Is it twenty? What is the? Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Okay. More, five more years. Right. Five more years. So that's that, and that's how
3: we ended up um, getting um, partners like Google supporting us is because we have this big vision. Mm -hmm. It's important to think big, even though it seems impossible. And we were speaking about um, our One Billion Acts of peace campaign at a social innovation summit, which is held in Silicon Valley every December. And... It was at Microsoft headquarters, and we spoke. And then we got off the stage, and uh, someone from Google came up to us and said, I, "I, I bow to you. This is exactly what the work that I want to do. I'm going to ca- kidnap you and take you to some place with better food." And so, <laughs> He kidnapped us, literally, and he took us and put us in his car, and he drove us over to Google, and we stayed and and had lunch there and talked and talked and talked, and um, he said, you know, let's do this, and so... We now, um, when we first launched the campaign, it was called the Global Call to Action Campaign. Now we've rebranded it and relaunched it as the One Billion Acts of Peace Campaign, and we've changed it into a global citizens' movement. So everybody who's listening here today can participate. Um, We have the Nobel laureates and the youth have shown the way, right? Mm -hmm. We have 2 million projects. We've got a great start. And now we're inviting the whole world to participate. It's incredibly exciting. We launched on May 29th at the United Nations. um, And then we went over to uh, Wall Street and rang the opening bell and a ceremony in honor of um, our One Billion Acts of Peace campaign. And then we unveiled uh, some billboards in Times Square that were donated to us uh, for the campaign. And then we flew to Monte Carlo, where the prince... um, Hosted us for the world premiere of the Desmond Tutu film *Children of the Light*, and Desmond Tutu was there. They they flew him in too, and and they made him a knight uh, in Monte Carlo. And he, um, (laughs) I asked him, have you ever been a knight before? And he goes, oh, only once. The Queen of England made me a knight once, but um, it was very (laughs) fancy, very exciting. I mean, okay, I'm a factory worker kid from Detroit. I'm on the red carpet, right? the Prince, right, and Desmond Tutu, um, and uh, a Prince and Princess from Italy, and I mean, it was it was incredible. I would have never ever in my life imagined they would ever be there, but it was fabulous um, because what it, what that was all about was honoring this man, Desmond Tutu, and his incredible legacy. He's 82 years old, and it's the first time a film has been made that tells his life story, and to be able to sit next to him and the Prince as he was watching this movie for the first time and to listen to him laugh and to listen to him cry and, and the, the thunderous, you know, four different standing ovations throughout the evening and I mean, just to be able to honor um, these great moral leaders on our planet, it felt so good, so I, I think that's another important point for um, success, you know one is patience um, it takes a long time, you have to be very tenacious, like I said, but another is um, integrity and having everything really aligned, you know, and, and have and your intentions always be pure because there's a lot of times that you're trying to do something and there's no funding for it and and but it's the right thing you, so you keep doing it and then eventually it comes it comes through the resources come through but a lot of times you feel like you're just a uh, Jumping off a cliff, you know, with nothing But if you believe strongly enough and you work it hard enough, the universe does rise up to support you. But there's scary moments all the time. So that's what I would say. Yeah, yeah. Your
2: like you know, Dawn, your life is so exciting. I'm I'm so honored to have you here with me this morning. When I think about the places you've gone and the people you've sat with and and the things that you're doing, it is so so incredibly positive and with such great energy. Um, one of the questions I have for you in light of the fact that you're, you've been around some incredible people is, what is one of the, what is one of your most favorite conversations that you've had with one of the laureates? Um, I would imagine there's many, but I wonder if one stands out for you that you were just really moved, um, in conversation.
3: Well, I think the... Well, we just spent six days in Monte Carlo with Desmond Tutu, um, and I think you, part of the story I didn't tell is that we were married by Desmond Tutu, um, and that was really powerful for both of us because we're both Christian. We have amazing leaders on our board from every religious tradition, um, but for us, uh, Desmond Tutu uh, Archbishop Tutu is uh, we call him father father Tutu so when ivan asked me to marry him he asked Desmond Tutu if he would marry us and he did in his church in cape town south africa so um we were just uh, there with him in in cape town and and he asked us to go to church with him and he uh of course, was leading the service, and he asked us to stand up, and he told everybody in the congregation that I married these people. And you, if you ever doubted whether I was any good at anything, I want to show you do that I married these people, and I did a really good job marrying them, because <laughs> they've been married for all these years, and they're doing all these <laughs> things together, and they love each other more than ever before, right? You know, and so it was so... I mean, wow, right? You know, yeah. uh, he's very proud of the fact that he blessed our union and he's blessed our work. And when we were with him uh, the, this week in, in Monte Carlo, he 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 looked at my husband, who always makes jokes about how his previous days as a wild man in the rock and roll world and how he's going to go to hell. Um, and uh, the father, Tutu, looked at him and he said, son, I'm working on this. You know, work with me here. Um <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're good. You're good. And he looked at him, and it was really a profound moment. He says, "You're good, and 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 God loves you, and you have so much good in you, and you're trying, and mm. and you're not going to go to hell. You know, you, you're you're going to go straight to heaven because you, you're doing the right things. And and it, I know you see your own flaws. You you look at yourself in the mirror and you see your flaws, but you're good. You're mm. good. And it was just I was crying because yeah. you know. <sighs> It's true of all of us, right? That's it's true right. of all of us. That's we have right. that goodness in us. We have Oh yes, we've made mistakes. Of course we have. I I've, I've made like 3 trillion. You could ask my husband, he could give you a big list of all the mistakes I've ever made, right? right. Um um but our essential nature is good and our capacity is incredible yeah. and we are limited by uh, a lot of times by the way that we see ourselves and so yeah the 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 gifts that the Nobel laureates keep giving us, the way that they believe in us, and um, it's it's we're constantly inspired because um, it's hard to try and create change in the world. They're out there doing it, and they know how hard it is. They see us working really hard to do it, and they believe in us too. They believe in the young people. They are so inspired by the young people who come and present their one billion acts apiece projects and all of the things that the young people really believe that they can do. And so much of being able to do something is just believing that you can. Right? And that gets beaten out of us somehow mm-hmm. by the time we're adults. Somehow that gets taken away. Mm-hmm. And so they, that's their gift, is to give that back. And they give that back to us and to give it back to all of the young people who participate in Peace Jam. And now, through the One Billion Acts of Peace campaign, we're trying to give that back to everybody. Everybody. We all have goodness in us. We all have greatness. We all have the capacity to reach out our hand and help at least one other person. If all of us did that, the world would be transformed. It's not that hard. We can do this. Yeah. Um, we've given our power away we've let ourselves be beaten down by life right
2: and that's we don't have to yeah that's really powerful dawn um we're going to take one last quick break and we will be back with dawn engel executive director and co-founder of peace jam hello hi kelly it's sue are you and joe going to the kids game after school today No, we
5: are stuck in traffic again on our way to the hospital for Joe's IVIG infusion. As usual, we will be at the hospital all day and won't be home in time. This is really becoming a problem with our work and family commitments.
2: Hey, my friend's son receives his infusions at home with Walgreens. You know they are not just a retail pharmacy. Walgreens has a national home infusion program. He used to miss school, but now the Walgreens nurses see him at home after school. Wow, infusions in the comfort of our own home? Yes, Walgreens expert infusion nurses and pharmacists are available 24-7 to provide safe, one-on-one clinical support around your schedule. Talk to your doctor and call Walgreens Infusion Services at 877-974-4844 or go to womentowatch.net for complete details. We
5: will, if we ever get out of this traffic, hardy-har-har. Har. We can't wait to have these infusions at home with Walgreens. Thanks. Be well.
7: Are you looking for assistance with your IT demands? Would you like to know that the people you hire have your best interest at heart? Insource is one of the region's most distinguished and fastest growing technology firms in the Philadelphia area. Their only concern is to deliver your business long-term success to avoid reacting to daily crisis. Recognized as a top employer of IT consultants, they thrive on helping their clients exceed expectations. InSource delivers reliable and effective solutions to the technology needs of both small and large businesses as well as nonprofits and does so with the goals of your business in mind. With over a decade of recognized success, InSource provides its clients with both IT staffing needs as well as putting highly qualified project teams together. Insource is also a partner of ServiceNow, the fastest growing software company in the country. Contact Insource today at 610 592 0800 or visit their website at insourcenow.com to find the quality help you need.
1: It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice. Some brokers only push the latest hot stocks. And some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the mutual fund store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face to face, not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away. And your mutual fund store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the Mutual Fund Store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFundStore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norriton and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's 877-239-8330.
6: Have you ever wondered about the magic of Paris? Traveled there before? You haven't experienced Paris until you've traveled with us. I'm Chloe Johnston, the owner of CJ Tours. I became hooked on the mystique of all things Parisian after just one visit to the city of life. CJ Tours, a travel, fashion, and product company, provides an experience unlike any other when it comes to exploring the hidden gems of Paris. We connect you with boutiques off the beaten path. We provide the opportunity to go behind the scenes with some of the most celebrated designers Paris has to offer. You can even purchase one-of-a-kind French pieces as mementos of your trip or ask us to source that special piece just for you. CJ Tours and our unique products are designed to provide that Parisian je ne sais quoi and allow you to experience Paris like never before. To learn more, contact me at Johnston at cjshoppingtours.com or simply visit chloejohnston.com for more information.
4: When you are shopping, do you chuckle at the one-size-fits-all tags? Well, Wealth Management should not take a one-size-fits-all approach either. Companies offer different products and services for women, and they should. All women are different. Your plan should be as unique and personal as you are. So why are you still following your one-size-fits-all financial advisor? Financial advisor Liz Barker of RBC Wealth Management understands this. Her area of expertise is women in transition and being retirement ready. Call Liz Barker, financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management at 484-484. 530 again that number is 484-530-2806 or visit her online at www.lizbarker.com to schedule your complimentary custom wealth management plan today rbc wealth management a division of rbc capital markets llc member nyse finra sipc Welcome
2: back, everyone. You're listening to Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm speaking uh, today with Dawn Engel. Dawn is the executive director and co-founder of Peace Jam, which is an incredible organization um, working with Nobel Peace laureates and the youth. And uh, I, I we have about seven minutes left, Dawn, and, and two questions I have for you that I wanted to be sure to ask. The first one is whether... Um, you have come across one of the youth, some, one of the young people that's worked closely with the organization um, that you see something special in. Um, you had talked about earlier in the interview about the fact that the Nobel Peace laureates were one time, at one time teenagers themselves, and um, I had wanted to know if you saw in one perhaps a future Nobel Peace Prize winner.
3: Uh, Actually, I've seen a lot of young people who have that capacity. Um, The Nobel laureates say that all the time when they're working with the young people that they could win a Nobel Peace Prize, too, Mm. Um, or they could be... Um, incredible agents of change too. Um, They all have incredible potential. There's so many. Um, I think if you watch the film that I mentioned, Children of the Light, we have five young people featured in that movie who uh, all five of them Have that capacity to win the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, One of them, uh, Anna Dodson, is uh, from Peru. She was uh, uh, abandoned by her family and in an orphanage in Peru, which happens to many young girls around the world. And um, she was adopted uh, by a family from the U.S. and raised here, but went back to visit an orphanage in Peru when she was 11, and she realized that. Oh my god, you know, I could this could have been my life. I I have to help these girls and she's done incredible work around uh the orphanage supporting the orphanage and then creating a program for the girls to continue their education. Um, and um, a women's Leadership Conference, and, and it's, really, it's really around the issue of ad- advancing rights for women and girls. And that's such an important issue. I, anyone who has looked into that, if you haven't, please do, or you could go to our website one billion Acts of Peace one billion acts dot and um, you can click on there's something about honest project and there's um, on the front page something about the issue of advancing rights for women and girls really that will change the world when when we have equal rights and we have um, equal education and we mm-hmm. have the chance to um, show what we can do and limit the size of of our families and make our own choices and 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 to lead um, so I, I, I've I'm around potential Nobel Peace Prize winners all the time. We give awards every year for the best projects. The young people do amazing, incredible work, and they have that capacity. Um, Yeah, so I I, I could go on for hours about all the
2: young people. Oh, I (laughs) bet. I bet. You know, one of the questions I had, Dawn, is whether or not there are plans for the organization to be in the Philadelphia area. Um I know you you know there must be um, chapters within Peace Jam um, are spreading quickly and yeah. what plans are there f- uh, for some work to be done here
3: We would love to be uh, have a chapter a Peace Jam chapter mm-hmm. in the Philadelphia area um so anybody who's listening today who wants to help bring the program to Philly um, please give us a call uh, our phone number is 303-455-2099 you can ask for me um, or Kate Cumbo, our director of programs. We're um, working right now to take our programming to scale across the United States and around the world, and so we want to have chapters everywhere, and we'd love to have a chapter in Philly.
2: Okay, that's terrific. Um, another question I had, Dawn, is you know the what the purpose that um, is yours and Yvonne's um, again is a, is such an incredibly important. Um, goal. And I'm wondering how it is that you both uh, remain hopeful in a world where we know so much about some of the bad that that goes on. You know, back in the 70s, we really didn't have the capability um, to see and know about some of the violence um, that's happening globally. And now that we do, it sometimes makes it harder from an emotional standpoint to to, to remain positive and keep um, persistent with our with our goals. How do you do that? What do, what do you say to yourself? Well, I think
3: yeah, the internet and, and being twenty four hour connected cuts both ways. You're exactly right. We thought it was going to be this incredible tool for peace. Some people did, but um, it can also be um, make people feel like it really is helpless and right. and and hopeless, and, and and really, there's nothing we can do. So for us, the thing that we hold on to are the stories of Nobel Peace laureates and others who have created change, who have made things better, who have made a difference, and, and it just um, understanding what it takes. And one of the things that it takes is uh, a deep faith that um, the efforts will bear fruit, over time, it's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, one of the bad things about our zip, zip, zip culture right now is right. we <clears throat> we'll try something for five minutes and it doesn't work, and we say, "Okay, that's that, that, that you know, there's nothing I can do," mm-hmm. and 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 that will never work. It it, it really takes a long-term commitment. Um, when you look at Uh, the struggle for um freedom in south africa that was a long long struggle and they most of the time felt like they were losing the struggle um but it's like drop uh, a drop adding drops of water into the ocean you know it just but eventually there's enough drops and eventually it creates a tidal wave and eventually the change does come but it's because of the long-term commitment and courage to stick with it right and Uh so we share positive stories of work that young people have done, of work that others have done, that Nobel laureates have done, all the time because um, that's that's a lot of things have changed. Just like I said in the beginning of this interview, a lot of things have changed for women just in my lifetime, mm-hmm. right, for the better. Um, and we forget that we just see the problems that are facing us right now. We forget the progress that's been made. So, constantly reminding ourselves uh, that it is possible and it's a small group of committed people working together who will make that change that's the way it's always worked Mm -hmm. and the way it always will work and understanding that you know we're powerful creatures we we have um we've given our power away but um we together we can make the world how we want it to be it's up to us no one else is going to do it for us but if we get together if if enough of enough of us work together we can change things and that's why I'm always optimistic. optimistic. I'm always optimistic. I'm
2: always inspired. Right. Um, That's yeah. a great lesson to, to leave the listeners with, Dawn, and, and we're, we're out of time now. I'm so grateful to you for joining me today, and I wish you continued success with Peace Jam.
3: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been wonderful to be on your show.
2: That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. Thank you so much for joining again. My name is Sue Rocco, and if you'd like to be in touch with me, feel free to reach out at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net. Have a great week.